Welcome in Friday, November 18th here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew, as Elton John would say, Blue Jean Baby Bets. There is nothing better in this world, Kyle, than a nice pair of fitting blue jeans, the the kind that you like, that you just get into, that you know it's going to be a good weekend. I'm wearing those jeans, and I'm excited about these, these pair of pants that I'm in right now. We were talking this morning. Uh, via Slack, and we both agreed. Like, there's a few things that you can make sure that go right in your day. You know, a, a good cup of coffee, um, a good story to read while you're, you're drinking that coffee. But nothing is better than a nice pair of blue jeans that just fit perfectly. There's nothing like a man who's confident in his jeans. And you know, today I put them on. I sent you the Michael Scott, you know, Michael's jeans little little segment, and you immediately said, "I gotta go put on my jeans." And so. <laughs> It's it's casual Friday here, right? I mean, hey, casual Friday every day for this guy. <laughs> There's just something I was showing my son who was wearing his jeans. My son, Houston, never wants he only wants to wear basketball shorts, which in Arizona makes sense. But today he for some reason picked out his jeans and I said, Son, there is nothing like getting a good fitting pair of blue jeans on a white man. That's what you are, son. And you look <laughs> kind of silly. But um yeah, it's Friday. We've uh got some good stuff coming up, week eleven. But I really, really wanted to make sure that you and I talked about what we need to talk about for Thanksgiving. I mean, that's that's what we need to set up for next week. Because if we don't do that now, people will go into next week and say, why is your Tuesday episode like this? So let's break down what are the teams we're talking about bets on Tuesday for the Thanksgiving slate. Yeah, we got a nice little three-gamer. Love this slate. Love breaking it down every year. Because, as I've said, there's nothing better than turkey football, family, and we get to do it all with DFS on this day. So we got three games, Buffalo and Detroit, uh, Josh Allen, yes, please. The Giants and the Cowboys, as tradition has it, Dallas is always in that 4.30 game. And then New England at Minnesota for the nightcap. So yes, our Tuesday show will be dedicated specifically to that Thursday slate. Thanksgiving DFS is basically just an annual tradition to talk about Lions tight ends and like backup Lions players. Like Khalif Raymond is just like a, like a, a staple of this. And this year we get to talk about Brock Wright, James Mitchell. Yeah, the Thanksgiving slate is pretty fun. So we'll be talking about that. That'll come out for on Tuesday where we get to break it down. But just, just so you know, Betts and I kind of have to hustle for Thanksgiving week because we're preparing for the main slate. So we'll be recording that a little bit early, but it'll come out on Friday as normal. But also we are preparing our bodies because on the main show for the footballers, we have the Megalodon episode, which is the biggest thing since uh, Taylor Swift's new album. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, it's it's what people are talking about. And yeah, if you're not already catching up on sleep now, now's the time to start. I've already started caffeinating to get through that episode. So yeah, man, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a wild week. I love Thanksgiving week though. I'm preparing my body because I this is my tradition since I've been with the ballers. Every year for the Megalodon episode, I just stay up the entire night to work on that episode. And I do it for the people. And it's kind of this weird thing where I get energy when it hits like two or three, 
I throw on some 80s music and I'm good for another hour or two, but I stay up until the morning. And I'm dead serious here, people. Like, I stay up the entire night just to work on that episode because it's three episodes in one. So it's kind of like, hey, Kyle, this is your job. By the way, can you do all of that that you normally do over three days? Can you do that in just one day? Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. You're, you're a legend, Kyle. A man of the people. It is fun. I do. It's a labor of love. I, I love a sh- good show doc, which you and I are looking at right now. It's a good looking show doc, right? What we got today? I mean, it's got colors, pictures. It's, it's great. I mean, there's a picture of Mike Glennon in here just for those truthers out there. Like Mike Glennon is in every single one of our show docs. So, yes, if you want to get all of our picks, you can go to DFSPass.com. There will be some special Thanksgiving slate picks for next week on DraftKings, on FanDuel. You and I will get to talk about those so, if you want to go to DFS Pass, use the promo code DFSPOD. You're still saving money. It still goes all the way through the playoffs. And kind of, you get like some extra content this week. That's what I would like to say, is you get an extra helping because we know you all need it. But, let's move on to cash. Straight cash, homie. That's usually, this is kind of business as usual for the quarterbacks in cash. But I almost wanted to hit the breaking news drop because I have currently switched my cash game quarterback this morning. Oh, you wild, wild man. Who is it? Okay, so Justin Fields is clearly the best play. And I think that's what the field is going to be doing. 7.6 against Atlanta. We talked about on Tuesday. You know everybody and their mom has been talking about it. Uh, I was looking up historical stats. Like He's right now averaging 9.9 rushing fantasy points per game. That's almost Lamar MVP level. So that's kind of what you're getting from Justin Fields. And I even looked at it from a running back perspective. Since week six, he's scoring as a runner what Saquon Barkley is scoring in totality. Like 17, a little over 17 fantasy points. So you're getting Saquon Barkley plus the arm. It's pretty wild. But I'm I'm interested in Dak this week. On a slate that's not easy I, I could see myself moving to Dak. I mean, we're going to talk about that game. We both like that game a lot, and I like Dak, whether it's for cash or tournaments. My lean right now is still to try to get to fields. That said, I mean, you're saving $1,000, which on this slate, Kyle, is a, a ton of money. I mean, it's so hard to build lineups that you actually feel really confident about because there's some plays on the slate that I think are priorities, and we'll talk about them in a second. You could argue fields is a priority. I mean, 35 design rushing attempts over the last month of the season is elite for a quarterback. You know, just for context, over the first six weeks, he had 20 total. So they are not only designing runs for him, but we know he's going to be able to scramble. The Falcons can't rush the passer. They're 27th in yards per attempt allowed. So there's so many good things working in Fields' favor. It's not that Kyle's saying he's a bad play. It's just that you have to decide how you want to build this week because salary is extremely tight. I built a couple lineups and I've ended them all just looking at them being like, this feels like a losing lineup. So that's where I'm at on the slate. It's a tough place to be. I, I I think this is the hardest slate of the year. And let's put some context. I know we're we're kind of getting into our cash plays, but like this slate as a whole, like we have a snow game that I think everybody is trying to figure out what to do. We'll give our thoughts on that. Um, we're not meteorologists, by the way, and weather does change. So what we say here on a Thursday can change over the weekend. So stay tuned to Discord, everywhere else that you and I are. But wide receivers are really tough. At running back, it's like Saquon is the clear play. So I think salary-wise, you're feeling the pinch. Like I would, I came in here to say Fields easy. But as I was actually getting my lineups and my projections together, I felt like I couldn't get to where I wanted to get 
with the other elite plays I like. So is, is it going to be one of those things where if you're paying for Fields and you're paying for Saquon, you might have to punt in two places if you really want to make that work? Yeah, and those builds, you're pretty much locked into playing the Pittsburgh D, which we'll talk about is totally fine with us. And then you're probably spending down for like the Stoneman Jack Stoll, you know, at 2.5, which truthfully could give you a zero. I mean, we're projecting Stoll to be the guy. There's a lot of projection in that, and it's a very fragile projection. So just early in the week, we'll see what happens with the roster percentage. I can't play him in tournaments. No way. But in cash, just to punt it off, totally fine. You're locked into those two guys, in my opinion, if you want to play Fields and Saquon. And then you're probably sacrificing one of CeeDee Lamb or Amon Ra, who I absolutely am in love with on this slate. So it really makes building extremely tough this week. And just to speak to how you know difficult it is context-wise, like the big picture of the slate is that the highest total is between Marcus Mariota and Justin Fields Bears, and that's already on the decline. So now we have zero games north of 50, just to give you an idea of like what kind of context we're looking at. So we don't have these elite high-end spend options that are so good, especially considering a wide receiver. Like Devontae Adams on the injury report now. Um, Justin Jefferson popped up on the injury report. Of course, Cooper Cup is likely out for the year. So it just gets thin super, super quick. And if that game in Buffalo stays in Buffalo, you basically can't play any of the guys in it except for maybe the running back. So it's just a really hard slate to build. And, you know, that's kind of what we're saying in terms of context, why we're talking about maybe why you would come off of fields if you prefer to do that. And I was looking at the totals. I posted this in our Discord channel, but like all of them have fallen except for two games. Now, the Washington-Houston game, you can see that bet up a point or down a point, but basically every game has gone down. That's not a good sign for a slate, and what it tells me is that in cash, it's going to be even more condensed. Like, I, I'm i going to think, I'm just going to say this out loud. Fields, Saquon, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ra, Jack Stoll, Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are going to be the plays that I think a lot of the field is going to play, and i I don't think you can have a great lineup fitting all of those people in there. Yeah, because you have to sacrifice a lot elsewhere to make that work. So, yeah, again, I don't have a strong feel on the slate. Normally, I come in, I'm super excited about these contests and these slates. This one is going to be one of those where it feels very dirty when you're done with your lineup. But the good news is our opponents are going to feel that too, right? So there's still an edge, I think, as long as you can kind of sift through some of this stuff. I think this week, more than any other week, it is a week to get off the board in GPPs. That's my early lean on the slate. Yeah, I... Well, at running back, let's just say apart from Saquon, who is very expensive, but rightfully so. Like, they did a good job pricing him up against Detroit. What are the other running back plays that you're prioritizing? Well, first, we'll just mention this at the top because, again, we don't know right now what's happening with Zeke. But if Zeke is out, I don't think Tony Pollard is expensive enough for the role he's going to get. They didn't change his price despite a 25-point DK performance last week. Granted, it is a tough matchup on the ground with Minnesota, but I'm leaning this week more than most weeks away from matchups and just trusted volume and cash because, it, again, it is a really tough slate. Trusted volume and trusted offenses in a good game environment. This is the high, second highest total on the slate. The Cowboys right now have the third highest team total on the slate. And if Tony Pollard was the dude again without Zeke, he's hit 20 PPR points in all three of his starts that Zeke's been out. So for me, he would be in. And then also just looking at kind of other guys in the list like... I wrote up David Montgomery as a potential play. We'll see what happens. He didn't practice on Wednesday. It was a personal issue, but we know Khalil Herbert's on IR. The issue that I have, though, is like I can't play Fields and David Montgomery together on the same lineup. So to me, those are kind of the plays that I like as far as value. Um, but, you know, Saquon is the dude this week. Head and shoulders, I think he's a priority play. On FanDuel, I have right now, I'm looking at our FanDuel projections. David Montgomery might be one of the most popular plays on the slate where the pricing is just different on FanDuel. If you don't play there, if you don't know, 
quarterbacks are bunched together, so it's just it's not as simple as Fields at 7.6. Uh, so Dave Montgomery at 6.2. I think on FanDuel is a near lock in cash. It's a great matchup. Uh, man, I, I still like the Washington running backs. I wish I could be more confident in Antonio Gibson, who I think is just the better overall player. They're cheap enough. 5.6, 5.3. And on a slate where you're trying to find some value, I think there is a value. I wish I could just play Washington running back position. Uh, but I'd have to pick between one of them. So are they in your pool at all? We talked about that a little bit on Tuesday. I have concerns about both those guys, specifically Robinson. Um, granted, it is 5.3, so he's a decent salary, a decent price tag. But as I said, you know, the concern is just with any running back who has, is going to give you one target as the best case scenario for him in the passing game. It's really difficult. This is what the you now for years was kind of the, the idea behind fading Derrick Henry in tournaments was like, if he gets you 85 yards on the ground and no touchdown, you're stuck holding the bag. Brian Robertson, very capable of the same stat line. That said, I could easily see 100 yards and two touchdowns here, so don't hear what I'm not saying. It's just that from a median projection standpoint, I don't feel super confident on a full PPR site for that type of archetype. Yeah, no, I would agree. Like The price is probably what is most intriguing in the matchup. I looked this up, but the Texans are one of three defenses since 2009. So three NFL defenses since 2009 to give up 30-plus fantasy points per game to the running back position. So historically, bad defense. Joe Mixon, it feels like it's been a while, but last time we really saw him, it was that huge touchdown game. So Joe Mixon, talked me into him on the road. Would you play him and the Pittsburgh defense in the same lineup? I think it's okay in cash, definitely not in tournaments. Uh, Mixon, again, the, the matchup isn't really ideal, especially on the ground. Like Pittsburgh's been top half of the league in most of the efficiency metrics, and Joe Mixon himself has really struggled with efficiency. So I don't love the actual matchup on paper, but again, slate context is so important. A lot of matchups are tough this week. He is going to get volume, though, especially with Jamar Chase still out, and he's currently on pace for season highs and career highs, rather, in targets and receptions. And again, full PPR site, if he gives you three catches, four catches, like that goes a long way in cash. So I like him from a median projection standpoint. I have a tough time, though, seeing the ceiling for Mixon in tournaments, especially in this spot coming out of the bye against the Steelers. I feel like this is a week where it's not an automatic to have three running backs. Like, nope. there's value at uh, a couple of wide receiver spots that we like. And if you're paying up for Saquon, it's just really hard to jam in Saquon, Joe Mixon, and one other guy. Like, you know, could you see yourself picking between him, Joe Mixon, Tony Pollard, like those guys is your second spot. Yeah, my lean right now is, you know, if Zeke's out, I'm going to play Tony Pollard. Um, just too good of a price and you get $900 discount to go down from Mixon to Pollard. So that's my lean right now over the week. Of course, that's all out the window if Zeke plays, but we'll see what happens over the weekend. We'll talk about that game in a second because I do have some concerns. Like I've loved playing Pollard the last couple of weeks. He's been awesome. He's smashed when he's had the opportunity, but the matchup isn't as great. I like Dak. I love the passing game. I love CeeDee Lamb. So that's kind of where I want to go. Speaking of CeeDee Lamb, 7.5 on DraftKings, 8.1 on FanDuel. I think he's a priority for both of us. He is getting more expensive where he's priced up among the other alphas. When you look at the slate and you look at these wide receivers, like you have a Cooper Cup injury and then you have you know the Dolphins guys off, you quickly go down the list and you go, oh my gosh, like, Amon Ra's like priced up. Is is he like the wide receiver like three or four on the site? Like on our rankings on our page 
uh, of fantasy footballers. He's our wide receiver four this week, which feels very high in full Not PPR. Not high enough, baby. In full PPR, <laughs> you can have some confidence, though. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to argue against Amon Ra just target counts, right? Like we talked about it in his last 12 healthy games, not affected by injury, um, averaging almost 11 targets per game. And in cash, that's what you want on full PPR site like DraftKings, especially in this matchup. I love Amon Ra this week. To me, he does feel like a priority. Uh, if you're making me choose between CD and Amon Ra, for me, I lean Amon Ra just because you save $300 and the Giants are blitzing at the highest rate in football. This dude seeing a 44% target share win blitz so when jared goff's under pressure he says oh crap where is amon ra throw it to him immediately that's his game plan every time so i could see amon ra having some efficiency issues here but getting like you know 12 catches for 95 yards or something like that and just being a ppr stud so i love him this week i love cd2 i'll have exposure to both these guys across cash versus gpps they are gonna be popular you know both guys looking at 20 plus percent for DraftKings, but both guys just so incredible this week i think amon ra won't get steamed up as much as he is in the past for a simple reason. I mean, people go on the app, they're going to see red four next to his name based on what the Giants have done. But like you said, against the Blitz in the slot, like you can guarantee about 10 targets and that's pretty great in cash. Moving down, we talked about Cortland Sutton on Tuesday. Kendall Hinton wasn't practicing as of earlier today. KJ Hamler, we don't think Judy's going to play. Like if he's the only guy at 6K, is he... Does he move from like a good play to like, all right, I'm going to lock this guy in? I, the price is pretty hard to pass up, right? 6K, if you told me he was going to be the dude, I know Russ has been terrible this this year, but the Raiders are just historically bad. They're, they're so bad on defense. Um, and he saw 11 targets last week with Hamler out, with Judy out most of the week. So we kind of get an idea of like what we're going to get. He's played uh, three games Sutton this year has, and in games where Judy has played less than 50% of the snaps, so essentially injury-affected, He's seen a 32 or sorry, 39%, 31%, and 28% target share. And so you're gonna get somewhere around 30% of the targets. The efficiency might not be there, but volume is what we chase in cash. And so yeah, if, if he's the dude, he makes a lot of sense. Going a little bit cheaper, Paris Campbell is gonna get steamed up this week because of what he's done in the past. And I can't argue against it on a PPR side at 4.3. Same thing with Darius Slayton at 5K. I feel like a lot of people are gonna be playing Darius Slayton. I feel like when the field is super confident in has been wide receivers, and that's what I would call both of these dudes, like they've had they've had a run, that it can be thin for tournaments. So in cash, I can't argue against Slayton. I can't argue against Paris Campbell. But is that one of those classic situations where you go like, hey, this 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 could be bad? It kind of feels like DPJ from last week, doesn't right. it? I mean, same price point for Campbell. We've seen this story before, a couple of big games, and all of a sudden the, the bottom falls out and you're like, what just happened, right? But I mean, from a cash perspective, like, yeah, there's not a, a lot of value right now on the slate and Paris Campbell looks like one of the best options, which is just wild to even say out loud. Uh, but he's been great. And in the games with Matt Ryan, he's seeing so much volume, right? 11, 12, nine targets in his last three with Ryan under center. He was off the radar because Sam Ellinger is just not an NFL starting quarterback. Matt Ryan is at least capable of getting the football and when you're talking about how you beat Philly, most of the time it's via the slot wide receiver. They're giving up the fifth highest catch rate to slot wide receivers in the league. Paris Campbell can get you eight catches, like 85 yards, and in cash at 4.3, I mean, that is, that's money. Yeah, I, I just, it, it's the contrarian in me that sees when, when somebody at 4K is getting steamed up, 4.3, I just, I want to run the other way. But I can't argue in cash, and you might need a savings this week. 
Uh, I came on here to also say I like Wandale, and he popped up today, not showing up to practice. So what what are we what are we gonna do? Why can't we have anything? Not even nice things, just anything. Bets. Yeah, you know I don't know, and I I actually was gonna bring up too like Daniel Jones as a possible cash game just punt option at quarterback, but like if he doesn't have Wandale and he doesn't have anyone else to make plays besides Saquon and um. I'm blanking. Wide Slayton. receiver. Darius Slayton. Thank you. It really is tough to see it. I know Detroit's an incredible matchup, but their offense has really shifted in the last month of the season. They're one of the highest neutral rush rate teams in the league. That is a sign of a great head coach who knows how to play to his strengths, i.e. Saquon Barkley. So I was excited as a Daniel Jones punt option this week. I'm less excited about that with the Wandale news. I think Saquon just takes all the usage and it makes the other guys pretty thin for the Giants. On FanDuel... I'll just reiterate, Lamb and Amon Ra are kind of our early priorities. T. Higgins is underpriced, I think, for his ceiling and what he can do, and I think a game that's going to go under the radar. And then Darnell Mooney is pretty cheap at 6K if you want to look in that direction. I'm totally fine with that. But you're going to find cheap guys, Skoranek, uh, Kendall Hinton. Like These kind of players are going to show up this week in lineups because people are going to try to force it. And I would encourage you, take your lineup, Look at projections and kind of go back and forth. I always tell people, you can get a, a Google spreadsheet and work through all of that. So compare, is Skoranek your guy? Maybe he's not because he's not that great at the game. <laughs> Tight end. Tight end is another week where you can punt, but I, I like Dalton Schultz a lot. Is he one of those players where you're like, oh, I wish I could fit him in? Yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, 4.3 is cheap relative to what we're used to paying just in terms of any player on the slate. But again, if you're paying up for fields, you're paying up for Saquon, 4.3 is expensive for your tight end. So he's really tough, I think, to fit, unless you go with a really balanced lineup, which would make sense on this slate. You know, we've mentioned now four Cowboys, right? So you have to kind of pick and choose what your priority is. But he's been incredible. And what's most exciting about Dalton Schultz over the last you know few weeks is he's actually running more routes, the highest he ran since week one, route percentage was last week and snap rate highest since week one which signals to me that the knee is less and less of a concern as the weeks go by so the health is getting there the usage is there he's basically the team's wide receiver too you know and minnesota has been friendly to opposing tight ends so yeah i think dalton schultz whether it's again in cash if you want to spend up or include him as a dac stacking partner for tournaments either way i'll have exposure this week yeah you can go down further greg d foster moreau you know the boys that always just want to hang around the cash game lineup but Jack Stoll right now at 2.5 is going to step right into an every down roll, what we think. At least that's what we think. He's not going to be Dallas Goddard. People want to just copy and paste. He's not going to be that, but at least he's been on the field in two tight end sets. I'm fine with it at 2.5. Like I, 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 think it's, I think it's one of the better plays. So, uh, yeah, he might goose you. <laughs> that's the encouraging thing. <laughs> He might. And, you know, I put this in the DFS pass too. Like, I put him in my cash game article and I just said, like, if he's the last piece of your lineup and you love the rest of it, it's fine. You're not going to plug him in first because he's Jack Stoll and he can give you a zero. But if you're saving that much money and it allows you to do what you want to do elsewhere, totally fine. Truthfully, we're hoping for like two for 28 and a touchdown and we'd be thrilled about that. And just Google his name because in college and Nebraska, dude was flowing. That's, that's, oh my gosh. That's all that matters. Uh, I, will, so I will mention Isaiah Likely if Andrews is out. We still got to wait on that, but he's an interesting play on both sites. And then finally, we're just going to say it again. Play Pittsburgh at home against Joe Burrow. 
play the Saints if you want to, if you want to pay up a little bit against Matthew Stafford and an embarrassing, an embarrassing lineup. Like looking at their team, we did their preview today and I was like, uh, no, like I, nobody's playing Darrell Henderson. Nobody's playing Kyron Williams. Nobody's playing Cam Akers. And then I guess in a redraft league, you can play Allen Robinson, but I, it's just, it's not, it's not a good situation. So, uh, play the saints. And then if you really wanted to punt on FanDuel, you could do the Raiders at 3.2. Any other DST thoughts? Those are the two that I like a lot right now, early in the week. Um, I'll throw out for tournaments. Like I think the Texans make a little bit of sense on DraftKings. They're priced down pretty far. Another salary saver. We've seen, you know, Taylor Heineke have some really good moments in his NFL career. We had somewhere you just scratch your head and say, what was that throw? So again, just kind of a leverage play. Just defense is so random. Get off the board, get off the chalk defenses and tournaments. But for cash, my preference is to go down to Pittsburgh. And if you really have the money, yeah, let's pick on the Rams. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. This week, I wanted to fight you because I only wanted three games in this. But Betts loves the people too much. So we're going to talk about four games. I'm going to go a little bit quicker, but four games that we think you could stack this week. Stack attack. First game, Chicago Bears at the Atlanta Falcons. This line has dropped to under 50. So we now don't have a game on the slate that is above the 50-point total. It's fine. It's fine. It is what it is. Atlanta's three-and-a-half-point home favorite, and we know what these teams want to do. They want to run, and then they want to run again. And then... Arthur Smith says, let me figure out more boneheaded ways to run and just just do dumb things. So as a Falcons fan, I'm embittered. I'm biased. So I need you to talk to the people. I also will add just a little narrative street here. This is a homecoming game for Justin Fields. So this family and friends, you know, he's from this area. It, we're still going to play him. It doesn't really actually change anything. But I just wanted to mention it. It's a fun fact. It matters a lot. You know, that's popping in the model this week is the homecoming narrative. Um, it, there's nothing that they can say about Justin Fields. He will be the most popular play on the, on the slate, I think. So it's fine. You know, we saw him be a GPP winning player last week. Um, but just know if you play into it, you are going to play into a lot of roster percentage. That said, you know, the Falcons defense, Kyle, we know the story is they are not great and they're not good through the air. They're also not good on the ground. And so we know that there's ways that Chicago can have success. Um, they've scored on over 50% of their drives over the last four weeks, which is second best in the NFL. So we need to rethink what the Bears offense is now versus what it was in the first month and a half of the year. And if we think they're going to have success in this spot, then it makes sense, I think, to think about the Chicago side of the ball as not only leverage on fields, but if you are playing him, like who are you stacking him with? Because Darnell Mooney seems like the obvious choice, but he hasn't really flashed a ceiling this year. Andy has the touchdown guarantee out for your boy, Chase Claypool. So either of those two wide receivers for you this week in a great matchup. I like Mooney. I, I do. I, I do think that he's due for an explosive game. The Bears have kind of lived off big plays. Like these Cole Komet touchdowns have been broken plays a little bit. Um, Fields and Mariota, weird enough, both rank top six in ADOT. So the, like they're, they're getting opportunities. The problem is they're both completing just one 20-plus pass yard play per game. So... I'm going to roll with Mooney this week and just hope that he gets over that 100-yard mark, which he hasn't at all this year. I think he's too cheap, too, for on Fandle. Let's say you got 
100 or, you know, FanDuel, you don't need the bonus, but like 90 and a score with like five catches. Like you would be thrilled with that at 6K on FanDuel to stack with fields and you're not trying to get anywhere else. But I'm worried overall about this game because I already took the under when it was at 50 and a half and it's trending that way. I just, I think that there's reasons to not like the ceiling of this game. I agree. I mean, it can fail for sure, especially because you know Fields is going to be the most popular play, we think. So, like, if we know that and we know that the total is coming down, it should at least raise some questions in your mind of, like, well, how can this go south? And to me, the way it goes south is these teams just run the ball. And for some reason, I know they've been terrible run defenses, but for some reason, they just don't find that efficiency this week. You could end up with, you know, a 24 to, like, 14 game. And, yeah, it's fine for cash, but it doesn't give you that huge ceiling performance so I think that's what we're saying on this game is like it makes sense there's players that really correlate well the matchups look good but the total is going the the other direction and so I'm a little worried about that the two most interesting players from like a game theory perspective for me in this game are Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts and I'm saying that because Patterson is one of those guys that his TDs usually come in bunches on FanDuel is only 6.7 and Chicago has allowed 14 rushing touchdowns to opposing backfield. That's second most in the league. He gets carries inside the red zone. I think he's interesting in this game if you wanted to go a different direction, knowing that David Montgomery is going to be pretty popular in FanDuel. And then I'll also add with Kyle Pitts, is there a spot for him to be a differentiator? We know that he's getting these deep targets. We know that they're off target. But on a slate with just really nobody, if Mark Andrews doesn't play, like he can be the tight end one. For sure, yeah. Mariota, brother, hit him in the chest once, please, because this dude is seeing so many air yards, and it kind of feels like at this point they're prayer yards, but 126 and 202 air yards over the last two weeks. That's elite wide receiver one downfield usage. You talked about the eight out with Mariota. We were on him in that Chargers game. It just didn't work out. And so, yeah, Pitts, I do want to go back to him in tournaments. Absolutely no way you can go there in cash, but 4,400 on DraftKings, when you think about who he's priced around, we just talked about Dalton Schultz probably going to soak up a lot of roster percentage easy price point pivot right there to Kyle Pitts um, and if you wanted to play a field stack to me he's the bring back in this game yeah I, I'm I think this game is pretty simple like if I'm going to play it in a tournament I'm going to go Fields Mooney and then bring it back with Patterson or Pitts but I'm saying that this game I just I can't see this game be 55 to 60 points it's just not I'm yeah I don't either it was a really weak game when you looked at it from the slate and go, oh, this is the number one game? Oh, there's lots of other routes and other places to go. So uh, play Montgomery and Cash on FanDuel. There's lots of different ways, but I will take the under on this one. I lean that way too, but I'm going to go with Chicago just with a three and a half to give me more than a field goal with the total coming down. Yep, I felt the same way. If, if it was at you know two and a half or three, like give me the Falcons, but three and a half is not great. This is my favorite game of the week though. It's Dallas at Minnesota. Love the pieces. Dallas is still a one and a half point road favorite, which I guess, I guess Vegas doesn't like the fact that the Vikings have won seven one score games in a row. That's impressive. Uh, we could go through their game logs if you want another time, but last year, remember, they started the year 14 out of the first 15 were one score games. So this is what we get with the Vikings, and it's exciting games. The over under is at 47. I already like the over. I do too. When you look at the pace and how these teams play, especially considering, you know, the matchup for the ground game in Dallas is not great. Minnesota has been a pass funnel. 
the Cowboys have been very pass heavy, ha- pass happy, excuse me, with Dak under center. They're also running a ton of plays and getting off, you know, at a, a fast rate. Number one in seconds per play over the last month of the season. Meanwhile, in that same sample, Minnesota is sixth in neutral pass rate of the last four weeks. So you're talking about two teams that want to throw, that want to play fast, that have defenses you can expose through the air in a dome. To me, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this one matches up really well, and maybe it's too clean because that's not how DFS works, but I like stacking the Dallas side with with Dak, like double stacking. So maybe Dak, Lamb, Schultz, or maybe you want to mix in Michael Gallup just to get different. And then the other side, I love Dalvin Cook this week. We might be talking about him a little bit later on a certain segment that uh, has a pretty big sponsor this week. Hey, now. Is it Toasted Subs? No, it wasn't. I I thought about it. We couldn't get him. No, you know, after we got him on Tuesday, uh, we have Panera today, which some people says is like, uh, like hospital food. They don't like it, but that's that's Panera. what I think it's fine. That's what that's what got ordered. It's fine. It's fine, which means I won't remember that we ate it later on today. Uh, but I like Dalvin Cook. I just think this game sets up pretty simply. You don't have to go crazy. There's not really a lot of ancillary weapons that I like. I guess Hawkinson would be the pivot if Schultz is steamed up, but I don't love Cousins in this spot. He's pretty bad under pressure. We know that the Cowboys are number one in adjusted sack rate. And, I mean, Cousins-Jefferson is a pretty expensive stack. It is. That said, we know Jeff Justin Jefferson has the ceiling every week. We just saw it last week. He was your slate breaker. Um, when Cousins is under pressure, Justin Jefferson is the dude. So I guess that's one silver lining of this tough matchup for Kirk Cousins. He really does struggle from his numbers under pressure, but he knows how to get Justin Jefferson the ball. 30%, uh, 37 excuse me, percent of the team's targets and 27% uh, targets throughout run is great against uh, the blitz and against pressure. So to me, I have more interest in kind of the one-off pieces, like you said, on Minnesota's side versus going full stack with Cousins. That said, historically, he does play better at home. No weather concerns really difficult slate and the price is pretty good so if you want to take a shot in cousins i don't hate it it's just that it's not the cleanest spot on paper for him dak sets up so well here like i i love this spot for him over the last year he's averaging over 40 pass attempts per game on the road if you knew you were getting 40 pass attempts from dak then is that an easy double stack situation it is the issue is we just talked about these guys as cash, right? So, like, if you stack Dak with CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz, you're playing into two guys that are definitely going to be 20%, probably more, right, for CeeDee Lamb in, in tournaments. So, the only issue is, if you are doing that, which is fine, you just need to be mindful of what else you're doing with your lineup and GPPs to get different. But, like you said, the spot is so clean on paper. Um, the the pass funnel defense of Minnesota is very obvious, they're allowing teams at the second highest rate when they get in the red zone to score a touchdown. So we think we're going to get touchdowns in this spot for the Cowboys. So, yeah, man. I mean, I love Dak. I love CeeDee Lamb. These guys are just incredible this week. Michael Gallup, I mentioned his name. Is that like he's off your radar or like, hey, in tournaments, I think people don't really remember that he plays for this team. I mean, I don't really remember that he plays for the team, to be honest with you. So, yeah, he's fine, especially as a differentiator if you wanted to stack him with with Dak to get different and get a lower rostered player. But, it, you know, it's been tough. Like, he's been under 50 yards in every game he's played this year. Um, his best is four catches, so he's not really giving you the PPR stuff. He has to win downfield. He's a player who we know can do that. It's just we haven't seen it. And so it's tough to give anything positive about Gallup in this spot. That said, seven targets, six targets last two weeks. On this slate, you could do a lot worse. He's a GP bro play of the week. Am I right? Yep. 
Oh, yeah, big time. So I'll talk about Dalvin a little bit more later. The way that this game fails is if Dallas jumps out to a lead and they just milk the clock with Pollard and if Zeke's there too. So there are routes to this game to fail, but I think overall you and I like it. I think there's multiple ways to do it. And Hawkinson, I think, is still a solid play too uh, if you wanted to go that route. Give me your Vegas take. Yeah, I like the over in this one. And real quick, Kyle, before we move on, we did have a question in Discord for the mailbag, but I put it here uh, from Bonk. wants to know, can we touch on the corner wide receiver matchups in this game? I don't have a lot to say about anything else besides the slot corner for Minnesota. Shannon Sullivan, we've been picking on every week. Larson writes it up in the wide receiver cornerback matchup article every week, and slot players just crush against Minnesota. So that points directly to C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I... I I'm going to ignore anybody and especially any big names like Trayvon Diggs. Go go look Whatever. what his game logs last year. Like, yes, he got INTs. He gave up a ton. Patrick Peterson. Yes, he had two INTs last week. He gives up a ton. Like, I just completely ignore the cornerback matchups here. And I think this game hits the over. All right. Got a couple more here. Your Eagles, your loser Eagles, go to Indianapolis and face the Colts. The Eagles are seven-point road favorites. The over-under is at 44. Why are we talking about this game with such a low total? You tell me, man. You're, you were the one that was advocating. You were pounding the table just as hard as you could for this game because you love it so much. You love Matt Ryan. You just can't get that bias out of your head. So why do you love this game so much? I love this game. I love this game because it sets up so well that if you want to stack the Eagles side, yes, they've been playing with the lead the whole year. They didn't really know what to do in the second half of the game. You notice that? Like... Like, we've never had faced this situation before, and they just floundered. They just floundered like, at the end. What was crazy is they just couldn't get the ball. They ran, like, no plays the entire game. Yeah, th- this is the recipe for success with the Colts. They did this to the Chiefs earlier this year. You get control of the clock. You kind of slow the game down. And the Eagles are missing Jordan Davis in the middle. Time. Like, it's a big deal. Uh, yeah, the Eagles are now 31st in expected points per rush attempt. And this is what Washington did. They just said, we're going to keep feeding the, feeding the rock to Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, all night long. They did Lionel Richie style all night long and said, you know what, we're going to take over this game. So I think they can do that with Jonathan Taylor. I think there is a, a run funnel that this team's kind of decided they wanted to do. And you can actually stack with the Eagles side. So I think it sets up well. Also, these teams rank both top eight in pace. So... There is a scenario where this game is kind of paced up. Keep in mind that the Colts have been trailing in the second half for most of the year. I think it's like 90% of their second half snaps have been trailing. It's the highest rate in the league, which is insane for a team that has four wins to be trailing that much. But it sets it well. Yeah, especially for Jonathan Taylor, who just kind of looking quickly at what we have, like right now seeing about 12 to 14% is kind of the quick estimation for roster percentage as of now that'll change probably over the weekend to monitor but like if you're getting jt at that at 7800 as a massive massive leverage play off of paris campbell it makes so much sense especially like you talked about the matchup this eagles defense is a run funnel you can run on them you have a tough time usually passing on them and you know this is a classic spot where they just keep going back to jonathan taylor who we saw like vintage jonathan taylor last week I love him this week, especially for tournaments, if that holds. Um, it's it's a tough sell for the other guys for me in tournaments. I also have a little concern, I will just say. Like last week felt like the Super Bowl for the Colts with like the last minute change back to Matt Ryan, the head coach, 
so much drama. Like the Eagles coming off a loss is kind of a spot that I'd be hesitant to really just buy into this Colts team being great. That said, I think Jonathan Taylor rips off a couple long ones. I love him in this spot. Yeah, I love him too. Do we have any injury updates on Thursday about A.J. Brown and your boy Slim Reaper, Devonta Smith? Yeah, so Brown, I think he's going to be fine. I do think he's a little hampered by that ankle issue. If you watched the game Monday night, you saw him leave and limped off and came back in with the ankle taped. He barely got targeted at all. So that is a concern. When you throw in the matchup too, like the way A.J. Brown wins, he has not been great against the zone this year, and the Colts run a ton of zone. So you throw in a guy who might be less explosive than usual with a, a defense that really wants to keep him in front. At 8K, it's a really tough sell for me, especially 8,400 on FanDuel. I don't love him this week. Devonta Smith... He's been really low volume, so he's tough to trust. That said, 6,400 on FanDuel for a guy who just needs a touchdown to pay it off. Um, he leads the team in target share against cover three, which is what they play on in Indy. So I like him more than A.J. Brown this week. Yeah, I wrote up Devonta Smith on FanDuel as a cash play. I think you can play him at that price. Um, and even better if we know that something's going on with A.J. Brown. But this is a game that outside of Jack Stoll on DraftKings, I probably won't be playing anybody in cash. Like, he's the only one that I'm really thinking about. But I love this game as a GPP setup. Uh, I think you could do Hertz, Devonta Smith, and then bring it back with JT. And maybe stay away from Paris Campbell. I I'm personally probably going to stay away in tournaments. In cash, I think he's a fine play. But very, very thin play for me. I do think that if there is a spot to, you know, get the Eagles, it's in the slot. So, Think about that if you want to go that direction. Anybody else? I, we didn't mention Petty City. Is that just where we're at now? I mean, I'm wearing the shirt today. I feel like I had to because I knew we were going to talk about him on the show. Um, nine targets last week. He's been really good as far as volume with Matt Ryan. It's just that the upside isn't there, right? So his ADOT is super low. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. So I just have a tough time seeing the overall ceiling, especially if we're projecting like a bounce back spot for the Eagles pass defense this week. Totally fine to take a shot in a tournament, but for me, outside of that, it's hard to get excited. I was going to say, like, oh, look at Paris Campbell. He gets these low ADOT targets. They're not as valuable, but this is kind of what he's turned into is Pity City from rookie year where he's just running those drag routes, and you're not getting the you know down-the-field stuff that we care about. Miles Sanders, I'm probably staying away from. I don't think it's a great matchup at all, uh, but, I mean, this is really easy for me. Give me Indy plus 7.5. Yeah, if you're getting more than 7 I like Indy. If it gets below seven, I like the Eagles. I mean, I love Indy Moneyline. Let's go there. You're a sick individual, Kyle. When we were talking about Colts and Chiefs, you remember that? Yeah. On the I air. Do. I do. What happened? What happened? Colts won. Somehow. I don't know how. All right. Last game we're going to talk about, and we're going to blaze through this one because this is Betts' game. I don't like this game. Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. Giants are three-point home favorites. The over-under is 45. Why should we care about this game? Have you seen the Lions play defense, Kyle, at all this year? I think this is an interesting skinny stack situation. So I'm not stacking Goffrey. Goff, Goffrey. Goffrey, I have the duck. I'm, not, I'm just, I'm reading exactly what's on the teleprompter. I'm not stacking Jerry Goff. I already <laughs> talked about the concerns with Daniel Jones. Saquon is going to be great and popular. But like when you look at this game, I could see a nice kind of leverage point of like saying, all right, what about Darius Slayton, you know, stacked up with Amon Ra or something like that. I think that's the, kind of the way you play it. I just want to point out these Teams generally are defenses you can pick on, right? We like that. And the slate is so tough from a high scoring like output projection on the site, given that there's, you know, no games above 50. The total's at 45. It's a tight spread. I could just see it getting there in a slate that is going to be low scoring. That's all I wanted to say. I love Amon Ra. 
I like Darius Slayton as a tournament play. We love Saquon Barkley. Okay, that's 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 where I wanted you to go. I don't think you can really uh, try to go anywhere else. I think Jamal Williams is interesting, and on a slate where you know it's it's tough, I, I think he's interesting. He didn't practice on Wednesday, so you have to monitor that. DeAndre Swift is unplayable, right? I feel like until we see it, you really can't can't go there. I mean, if you are a sick, sick person and you are making a GPP lineup and you're one of those people that's like, I want to do what no one else is doing, I, I love that. I love the contrarian part, but it's really hard to put your money in that knowing, what, six touches, 10 touches? He played like two more snaps than Justin Jackson last week. I mean, that's where we're at. It's, it's not, not too fun. All right, before we go any further, we're going to give our Slate Breakers of the Week. And this week was one that, was it hard to get? No, it wasn't. Because I don't know if there's any money there anymore. But for a while, there was a series that was sweeping the nation. It was a book series. It was a TV show. It was Goosebumps. Oh, hey now. Now we're talking. I like that sponsor. Okay, Goosebumps wasn't one that I was like, okay, is this was this too early for people? But I remember going to my friend Matt's house in third grade, and he had every single Goosebump book just lined up in a row. What a G. And Oh man, and I, you know, I had like three or four, but I didn't like, dude, you have all of them already. Have you read them all? And he did. So I was behind the goosebumps. I wasn't as cool. I didn't really watch the show, but you had to have one. If you didn't have one, then that was fine. You didn't have to read it. You just had to have it. It's, yeah. It's just like a, yeah, it's like you get a Jersey, like NFL player and put it on the wall. Like you don't really have to wear it. You just have to have it. Same idea. When you're a kid, you walked in to your friend's room, you saw goosebumps. You were like, oh, this guy's cool. And and you could say I was cool. Give me your slate breaker. We talked about it. I think CeeDee Lamb goes absolutely bonkers in this spot. Against Minnesota, who is getting destroyed in the slot. CeeDee Lamb playing just over 55% of his uh, snaps in the slot. Shannon Sullivan gives it up to every slot wide receiver he faces. And now we have CeeDee Lamb, who actually has shown us a ceiling. I don't want to chase the 41 DK points, but he looked incredible this last week. And I think Dak knows... The way you can beat Minnesota is through the slot. That's where he's going to go to. So I love him this week. I think he goes crazy. Even in into roster percentage, I'm fine playing him in tournaments. You know I'm a CeeDee Lamb truther, and I was pounding the table all off. I love CeeDee Lamb. On my two main home league teams, he's on both. And I love it because last week he went bananas. My slate breaker of the week is none other than Dalvin Cook. Over the last two weeks, Dallas has allowed over 200 rushing yards in back-to-back games. Listen to this. They've allowed 447 rushing yards over that span, these last two games. The four games before that, 433. Like, they've been completely destroyed. And the best part about Cook is he's involved in the passing game, five or more targets in each of the past three games. I think he can break the slate. I think he can be the RB1. And on a slate where people are going to pay up for Saquon in a tournament, I love pivoting, getting Dalvin Cook, and hopefully that game goes off. And maybe ours just correlate together. We can just I was going to say, you could just play these two together and you know move on, and you just print. You and I can get our Goosebump books with all of our buddies, form a little book club. We used to have a book club, remember? For, uh, we did DFS? in the off-season. Off-season DFS yeah. uh, book club. We'll start it back up in this off-season. But yeah, man, I love Dalvin. Um, and true, like just to speak to health, the shoulder was an issue for a while, clearly over that with the receiving work. So yeah, this is an incredible spot for Dalvin. All right, let's prop it up. Drop it like it's hot. Every week we get to give one prop and 
many of these are found in the DFS pass. Mine it definitely is not because I just want to do a little shock and awe with Lockjaw. That's right. Terrace Marshall Jr. I'm not telling you to put your hard-earned money, but his line right now is 32 and a half receiving yards. What if I told you he's cleared this in each of his last three games? He's a yak guy, and I think he's going to see six to seven targets. I'm not saying they're great targets, but he has been a pretty good guy after the catch. So 32 and a half receiving yards. That line is at minus 120 right now, and it's moving since, you know, I placed some money on it. Yeah, of course. Um, interesting. I'm a little worried about Baker Mayfield just because he's Baker Mayfield. Uh, but he, you know, early in the year, Lockjaw was not playing a full-time role with Baker. So we can't really look at the splits or anything. So yeah, the line seems pretty low. I could buy it. For me, if you want to play an actual NFL wide receiver as a prop, <laughs> uh, you could take Terry McLaurin over 59 and a half yards, minus 115 on DraftKings and BetMGM. Taylor Heineke just knows to throw the football to Terry McLaurin. The usage has been insane. 30% target share. He has 92.5 yards per game, fourth best in the sample, 2.94 yards per outrun, fourth in PFF grade. He's the wide receiver eight in fantasy over the last month since Heineke took over. Now you're taking on a Houston team that is 31st in DVOA to opposing wide receiver ones. He's cleared this line in five of his last six starts with Heineke. Absolutely love this one. Already took the over myself. All right. Before we finish, let's get to a couple mailbag questions. Mailbag. The best place to get your questions answered is in our Discord channel. Our DFS Discord channel with the lovely people. Earlier, I talked out my thoughts in the Discord channel. I said, guys, I don't know how I feel about this Detroit and New York Giants game. And I got to be reassured by the people. And that's where I confirm my priors too. So I just go to Discord channel. And whatever I think, I throw it out there and people be like, oh, Kyle, you, you do the podcast. I just want to butter you up. No, you can disagree with me. Totally fine with that as long as you can back it up. First question from Discord is from To Liddell. He asks, is Ramondre a cash play this week? Do you agree this slate is shaping up to be a four wide receiver in cash? So as far as Ramondre, I think he's absolutely viable in cash. He's just been getting so much work, not only in the ground game, but the receiving game, which on DraftKings to me matters a ton. Uh, 6,700 is a very fair price tag. The game environment is kind of gross. It's the Jets that said they are at home. The Patriots are coming out of the bye. So I do like Ramondre this week. And then as far as the four wide receiver stuff, to me, I could see it going either way. I think there's better value at wide receiver this week compared to running back. So it is tough, especially because one of those running backs, I feel like it's probably going to be Saquon Barkley. So it makes it tough to build four running backs when you're paying almost 9K for one of them. Ramondre, 6,700 on DraftKings. He's just starting to get a little bit more expensive. And in my builds, I won't consider him in cash. But yeah, I think he's a great GPP play. Since week three, he's the RB8 in fantasy. So you're getting uh, getting pretty good value for a player. And, and, you know, Damian Harris wasn't on the injury report. So that's my main worry in cash. But, you know, the guy always has upside. Next one from G Narwhal on Discord for cash games. What are the set of circumstances which dictate whether or not a three running back build is preferable? We kind of covered this earlier. Yeah, it just depends on slate context, whether we have value or not and whether the strong options for running back are valuable, meaning 6K type of guys. There was weeks where we were like, oh, sweet, Damian Pierce again is 6K, and Ramondre was 6.1 or you know whatever it was. And now it's very different because we're asking, can you pay up for Saquon and also fit these guys? And I said it makes it really difficult. So to me, it's just a slate-by-slate context kind of thing. If there are those elite values at running back, I'm going for it. If not, I'm just going to try to find a lower-priced wide receiver to fit in there. Yeah, there's no running backs this week that I can confidently play 
you know, we're not getting like an Eno Benjamin at 4.6 that we can project for 15 touches. Like Brian Robinson is about as low as I want to go because you can maybe project 15 to 20 carries, but even that feels thin, like Bet said, because he doesn't get anything in the passing game work. So I usually only go three running backs unless I feel really confident about the 6K guys. Like the David Montgomery's we've been talking about in the past. Like I, I, I think you can go there. Like I think you can go Saquon, you can go Dave Montgomery and Pollard. I think that's totally possible. But what you're saying is you probably can't pay up for Fields, and you could probably only get one of C.D. Lamb or uh, Amon Ra. So you just got to pay down elsewhere. Next one from Brian Wilson at Willie Woos twenty one. I like that handle. Nice. In three Very max good. tournaments, do you pick one game and stack it three different ways, or do you build three totally unique lineups? Um, I guess this one is kind of difficult to answer because it really does depend on the slate. If there's a game that I think is just head and shoulders, the best one to go to, then I will play that game. Um, I did that one. I, I did a three max last week, actually with the Cleveland and Miami game, the game got there from a volume perspective and from a game scoring perspective, but I just missed on the Trent Shurfields of the world and you know, those kind of guys. So there are slates where I think that makes sense. I also don't think it's wrong to look at, you know, if there are three games that you think have a chance to be the one and you just want to kind of spread your exposure across that, that's totally fine for me. It just depends on the slate. It's really hard at three max, you know, cause I'm going to play a three max tournament here. I'm going to play another one. That's a 20 max, another one. That's a single entry. Um, it kind of depends, but in a three max tournament, I probably will just pick one game and one quarterback and say, okay, I'm going to pick Dak and I'm going to stack Dak a couple different ways. So I'm going to go Dak lamb Schultz, bring it back with cook. Dak, Lamb, Schultz, bring it back with, you know, Hawkinson instead of Schultz or something. I don't know. Like, you're just mixing up that one main stack and then you're figuring out the other plays that you need to correlate. But you do have to ask yourself in a three-max tournament, how am I getting different? Like, it's okay to have chalk in a three-max tournament because, you know, a lot of people are going to condense around that. But just ask yourself, like, is it Michael Gallup that I'm adding in this stack that gets me different here? But I'll, I'll mostly stick with one quarterback in there. Last question from SR Wildman on Discord. I make two lineups a week, a cash and a GPP. What are your thoughts as to when to enter your cash lineup in a tournament or maybe even just one lineup a week? My cash lineup would have placed in a bunch of my tournaments last week, but I didn't enter it. This is a question I feel like is pretty common. We get this a lot. My answer to this is that I think it's okay to enter your cash lineup in a GPP. Because there are going to be weeks where the chalk just smashes and you have those guys and you're like, oh, dang, I should have done this. But the issue is in tournaments, we're chasing this high-end outcome where you hit a ceiling and no one else does and you have leverage because you can get the top-end payouts. And in DFS, it's very hard to build a bankroll if you're only getting like min caches each week. If you have two or three huge weeks in GPPs where you do have those separators in your lineup, you can pay it off massively. And so with cash lineups in a GPP, quote-unquote, you're just playing into so much roster percentage that you're splitting the winnings with everyone. So it's okay from a medium projection standpoint and a medium like bankroll building standpoint, but you're very unlikely to have the elite elite payout weeks that you can get in GPPs, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's really hard to get those. I think a lot of times we play DFS with regret in mind. Like if I only would have done this and I think what I do is I enter my cash lineup in a really low level, low stakes, single entry tournament just to give myself something to think about like okay this is what this lineup could have done but realize in a large field you're not going to be able to really compete with a lot of people with a cash style lineup you're gonna have to get different somewhere 
but man, this year the chalk has the chalk has won. Big chalk is uh, is is destroying people like me who like contrarian builds. If you want to play with us, you can go to ballersdfs.com. Get in our DraftKings league. Get in there, people. We we want to be a part of that. Next week, we'll have some fun Thanksgiving contests. And I just confirmed with the ballers next week for their fantasy faceoff, they're going to also do a Thanksgiving contest on the Mega. Oh, let's show. go! Let's so, go. Guys, the Thanksgiving contest we do this next week and the content, the, you know, this podcast is influencing the main show as well. So it's kind of up to me and you to make sure everybody has a good Thanksgiving. We could ruin everyone's holiday, just so you know, Kyle. No pressure. <laughs> Sorry, your Thanksgiving stinks. <laughs> we told you to play James Mitchell. Sorry. It was Brock Wright. Who knew? Who knew Who that knew? was the Lions, Lions <laughs> tight end? But you can get in with us. Fill our 600-person tournament every single week. We say, hey, there's a free contest out there that you can be a part of. There's ones that are really cheap, ones that are really expensive. Heck, I might even do a $1,000 tournament. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I, you could. You, know, you could. Just, just say, $1,000 entry for these people. Let's go for it. That'd be pretty sweet. I'm not at that point, people, to throw around $1,000 knowing that you all take my money. It's, uh, it's uh, not a good feeling. So, bets, sign us off. Yeah, our listeners are way too sharp for us to do that. But yeah, come play with us. It's a ton of fun. We talked about the Thanksgiving slate, but let's you know, pump the ricks, dude. We got a main slate this weekend. We got to go win the Millie. Good luck to everyone out there. Please send us your screenshots when you win. Best of luck. Find us in Discord over the weekend. We will catch you next week for the Thanksgiving slate. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.